Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri and broadcast nationally across the community radio network. Earth Matters, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. Welcome to Earth Matters. This week we explore the world of natural beekeeping and we take a look at how it compares to conventional beekeeping methods. And coming up, you'll also hear how good keeping bees naturally is a positive practice for the environment. And I was joined by my guest, Adrian Iodice, a natural beekeeping expert. And I first started off by asking Adrian to explain the definition of natural beekeeping. Natural beekeeping is a, a method of beekeeping or bee care, we like to say, where we, uh, we move away from, we've moved away from the, um, the conventional commercial style beekeeping where there's a huge emphasis on, on, on high, high honey production. So most of those um, courses that are available for, for beekeeping courses, for, for beginner beekeepers through, through clubs and, and so forth, they're, uh, they're mostly sort of steered towards uh, commercial-style beekeeping. And natural beekeeping, we move away from that, uh, a bit like the name suggests, not exactly, but suggests, that we allow the bees to build natural honeycomb and live in, in a more natural environment. I know they're still in a beehive, but um, we try to replicate a natural tree hollow, for instance, as much as possible in the sense of management techniques. And tell me about some of those management techniques that you would use on a daily basis. Okay, well, one of the most important management techniques is to leave the bees alone as much as possible. So uh, as opposed to conventional beekeeping, you know, there's, there's always, uh, we always have to check, 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 check. Whereas uh, in natural beekeeping, we leave the bees alone, let them do their thing, and then visit them when we feel we need to visit them for um, inspection of the brood area, for instance, for disease. If the bees are showing a certain display on the outside of the hive, we can then learn to, to manage or, or watch those signs before we, we then go into the brood area or the nest area, which is a really important area to keep intact. Uh, so we look for those signs first before we, we then bust open the, the nest area, so to speak. And um, So that's one, one management technique. Uh, the other one is to, like I said earlier, allow them to build natural honeycomb that, that, uh, that they, they, you know, they build so well rather than using a, what's called a foundation comb which uh, forces them to build a cell size that's, uh, that's, that's one size fits all, so to speak, and um, we, we don't like that sort of technique. We let them build their own cell size that those particular bees want to build uh, and also allow them to build um, drone brood cells as, as many as they like rather than trying to get rid of the drone brood. We allow them to, to build drone brood um, and they're just a couple of, of, uh, of, of natural beekeeping management techniques. Also, what's called treatment-free beekeeping, where we, we don't use chemicals in our hives, such as uh, uh, any insecticides to control small hive beetle in Australia. Um, but in, um, in, in overseas, of course, they've got the varroa mite, which is devastating colonies all over the place, and they use mostly miticides inside their hives which uh, really uh, 
infects the bees over 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 time um, because it's an insecticide. It's inside the hive. It it really you know it, it really um, diminishes their their natural immune system. Um, where beekeepers are being forced to use antibiotics nowadays um, in their hives to keep their bees alive, literally. So in America and Europe, uh, England. Are they doing that here in Australia as well? Um, well, they're not supposed to be. We don't have we don't have the uh, varroa mite in Australia yet. And frankly, I think we're one of two nations that don't have it in the world. We've got a really unique situation where we don't have it, so we haven't had to treat our bees with miticides yet. Um, so, I think if we we can see ourselves moving towards a, a movement called treatment-free beekeeping, which is getting quite popular in, in Europe, England and, uh, and America, where they're not treating their hives with anything. Uh, and the bees are starting to fight back. They're starting to get used to these mites, and they're starting to uh, work out how to coincide with these mites, how to live with them in their hives, rather than human intervention where we're constantly adding insecticides, insecticides or miticides, I think, uh, to the colony, uh, inside the colony and, and, and really um, putting a dent in their immune system. So we're able to allow the bees to do that themselves naturally, like they would in the, in the wild over time. It takes time. problem with humans, we want to see results tomorrow. Um, but if we allow things to progress in their own time, then, then the bees will eventually um, become, uh, you know, they'll be able to live with these mites inside their, uh, inside their home. Adrian, can you please tell me about the different types of beehives that you keep? These days I mainly keep what's called a Kenyan top bar hive. Um, I have kept in the past ware hives, um, golden hives, log hives and the conventional commercial style Langstroth hive. Um, I've moved away from most of those and now I'm focused on the Kenyan top bar hive. Um, yeah, I played with them all for a, a bit of time and experimented here and there with with different management techniques, of course, but, but really what I was aiming for was to find a hive that suited my needs and, uh, and my preferences when it came to a more natural approach. So I, I really believe um, strongly that the, the Kenyan top bar hive really ticks all the boxes for me. Um, and why is yeah, that? What does this particular hive do that perhaps the others don't, Adrian? As I was talking about earlier about um, um, less interference inside the, the actual inside the nest area, for instance, um, the Kenyan top bar hive, the way it's designed, it's a, it's a horizontal hive, not a, not a vertical hive, so it doesn't, we don't stack boxes on top of each other. We have one big kind of trough, so to speak, with, with a whole heap of uh, top bars in it, and the bees build a comb off each top bar. And bees tend to keep their brood area, or the nest area, next to the entrance of the hive, and the honey away from the entrance of the hive. So when I, when I visit a top bar hive, for instance, a Kenyan top bar hive, I move a, what's called a follower board, so it's a fake partition wall in that trough. Mm. And then I can access the honey area directly without annoying the brood area. So I'm not constantly losing a whole lot of what's called nest scent 
and the heat that's maintained around the brood. They, the bees maintain a temperature of about 35 degrees around the, the nest area. So in a conventional Langstroth hive, when the roof's taken off to access honey or any part of the hive, all that hot air gushes out of the roof and it's gone. And the bees have to work really hard to bring that heat back in to around the nest area. With a Kenyan top bar hive, we're taking the side wall off, so, so we're opening the door, so to speak, and we're accessing the honeycombs from, from one end of the hive as opposed to from the top of the hive. It makes a huge difference to, to the overall health of the, of the colony. How many of those do you keep, Adrian? So I'm not a commercial beekeeper, so I keep 10. I've got about 10 hives here at home. Well, I've got 10 at the moment. Is that the uh, limit for how many you can have if you're not uh, a commercial beekeeper? No, it's not the limit. Uh, I think at the moment it's gone up to 20, but um, I'll have to check the, uh, <laughs> the stats on that one. Uh, they've changed it recently, and uh, I think it's up to 20 hives. Okay. Have to be registered as a commercial beekeeper. How much room do you need in your space in your backyard to keep these ten Kenyan top uh, hives? Yeah, well, they're not so big. They're about a meter and a half long uh, horizontally, and they're about eight hundred millimeters or eighty centimeters wide across the top. So not not much room at all. I mean, you could put them on your balcony realistically if you wanted to. You just have to be able to move around it comfortably. Um, so no, you don't need a lot of room, no, not at all. So let's talk about keeping bees on your balcony. Uh, I could do that as an inner city resident, could I, with my apartment balcony? Not a problem at all, you can, absolutely. How do I do that? Uh, get a hive and stick them up there. <laughs> well, you'll have to get yourself a beehive, of course. Um, yeah, it, protective clothing, I'm guessing, yeah. Well, <laughs> do I need yeah. that? Well... I often don't wear my bee suit. I have one. I have one on hand. Mm. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm no crazy cowboy, but uh, I do. I do often visit my bees without my bee suit and without a smoker. Why is that? Um, well, if we put on an armour, for instance, then I believe we are putting a barrier between us and the being we're working with. Now, that being is an organism. It's a when we look at a bee colony, we don't think of it as individual bees. Those bees are a cell of an organism, and that organism is inside the hive. And when we approach that organism with a defence mechanism already in place, there's some sort of exchange there. What are we telling those bees? I know it sounds a bit out there, but bees do pick up on our energy. If I approach my bees and I've just had an argument with my wife, for instance, they will put a mirror right in front of me and let me know real quick not to come close. <laughs> uh, and that, that's a fact. I'm not the only one saying this. A lot of conventional beekeepers will tell you the same story. Bees are very, very intuitive creatures. And um, if we approach them with a defense, so we put up a, a, a you know, we put on, on, a, on an armor, mm. then for one, physically, we're not going to be as careful because we feel we're safe behind the armor. So we're probably going to damage bees. In, while we're going through their hives. Another thing is, in, what are they picking on? They're picking, on, picking up on that, that fear factor. So if I go in there with complete trust and openness, then we're going to get a colony of bees that are going to react to us differently. They're going to react to us with, with openness and they're going to let us into their space, into their home. You're listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. 
and you're listening to an interview on natural beekeeping practices and we're discussing all you need to know about keeping bees in a natural environment with my guest Adrian Iodice from Beekeeping Naturally. I'm wondering Adrian how many times have you been stung by bees? <laughs> Good question. Heaps and heaps and heaps. <laughs> oh, really? Does it uh, uh, well, get any better the more you get stung? You feel less pain or anything like that at all? No. <laughs> no, to be blunt, no, I don't feel less pain. I, I just don't react as badly. I don't mean physically react. I mean uh, emotionally react. I, I don't sit there and go, oh, that hurts. I, I just go, oh, mm. it is what it is, and I accept it. Um, Where do they bite you? Usually I get stung on the hand or, or, or um, depends what I'm wearing. The other day I got stung on the back of my leg. I was in shorts and thongs. Ouch. Uh, I was stung, <laughs> stung on my ear a uh, time before. And is it only uh, one sting or multiple stings uh, when this happens? Well, it, it really depends on, again, like I was saying, what I'm doing in the hive. If I'm, if I'm really hurting bees, for instance, if I'm... I'll, I'll give you this example of, of the other day, literally the other day, where I got stung five times. I, I went into a hive to harvest some honey. Ouch. And mm. I, I shook the bees off the first comb. So I've got shorts on, a singlet on, no shoes, uh, no smoke, nothing. I've shaken the bees off one honeycomb, cut that honeycomb into my bucket, and then I've gone and reached in for the second honeycomb. I've shaken the bees off once, didn't get enough bees off the first shake, so I was sh shaking that uh, comb again the second time, and I could see there was a little bit of anger there. I could feel the energy change in the hive, the sound of their, their hum changes. Okay. giving me a warning. Mm. I then went ahead and shook it the third time, and then I was told to nick off. <laughs> so one hit me on the back of the leg, and once a bee stings you, it, mm. it's out of pheromone. Uh, which tells the other bees that there's, a, there's danger, there's something attacking us. So then the other bees will, will probably come and have a go as well. Not always, but sometimes. So then I, I did, I get stung another four times before I could get out of there real quickly. Part of, part of it, if we're going to be beekeepers, then we need to accept that we're going to get stung sometimes. It's just, even if I did have a bee suit on, sometimes I get stung through the bee suit. So it's just part and parcel of what it is, really. How long have you been doing conventional and natural beekeeping for, Adrian? Yeah, I, um, I started beekeeping about, uh, I'd say, 12 to 14 years ago. Um, on and off, it was, it was just a hobby. So between moving between houses, I had a hive here and a hive there. Uh, and then eventually, about eight, eight, to eight years ago, I, I got a bit serious about it. I went over to Germany and wanted to learn natural beekeeping, so I did a couple of courses over at a place called Mellifera in Germany, in southern Germany, it teaches, they teach biodynamic beekeeping. Uh, and then I thought, oh, I've really got to bring this, this stuff back here to Australia. So I came back and, and developed a course with a good friend of mine, Tobias Mager, in Melbourne. And, uh, and, and uh, we started teaching this course about four years ago. And uh, we teach what's called natural beekeeping, although we put a lot of emphasis into biodynamic beekeeping, which, which is a little bit different in itself. So, How different yeah. is that to natural beekeeping? Well, a lot of natural beekeeping techniques are actually based on biodynamic techniques uh, without people realising it. Um, but we, we take it a step further and um, we start also using 
using, uh, you know, um, moon planting calendars uh, for, mm. for fruit and vegetables. Well, we could use those calendars, for instance, to teach us or to guide us into what we need to be doing inside our hive. So um, it's 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 very not technical, but uh, it's difficult to follow those practices strictly because uh, when we work in a beehive, it's always weather dependent and time dependent, of course. And sometimes uh, I won't be able to visit my hive today on that particular moon phase, and then I miss the cycle. So sometimes we ignore them, and sometimes we do use them. But there is a there is an international biodynamic uh, bee standard beekeeping standards which we try to follow as much as possible. So if I came to you and wanted to take part in one of your natural beekeeping workshops, where do we start? Okay, well, uh, I, have a, I have a website uh, dedicated to natural beekeeping um, and I uh, teach courses up and down the East Coast, mainly at the moment, uh, all the way up to Darwin, uh, down into Victoria, right along the East Coast. Um, and there's courses available there, advertised there. So people would, would do a Google search on beekeeping or natural beekeeping and, and most of the times I come up in there somewhere, there are other people teaching it. Recently generated a lot of, a lot of interest through a, a television show called um, River Cottage Australia, which, which I was featured in with the Kenyan Top Bar Hive. So that's created a lot of interest recently. And because we're not TV, we are radio, I'm really interested yep. to know um, what does your backyard look like in terms of the natural environment in which uh, you have these beehives and that these bees are kept? Well, I live on acreage. I live on 360 acres uh, in the Beagar Valley, southern New South Wales. So uh, my backyard is, is a lot of bushland. I have planted a, a whole heap of um, non-native trees and deciduous trees, European trees, because I keep European honeybees. So they do like native flora, but um, gum trees, for instance, aren't very um, predictable when they flower. So to when they flower, they you know, some flower every four years, some flower every ten years, and some flower when they feel like it. So, so we, we need to plant a lot of... Um, species in our in our gardens if we're going to keep gardens in our urban environment we need to plant a lot of species that are that are friendly to bees for instance um, uh, and 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 a, a, a big mixture of different types of flowers is preferable uh, that way the bees have uh, different types of pollen just like us we can't live on bread alone for instance mm. we need a variation of, of diet in our diet so they need different types of pollens and different types of nectars and each and each different plant species, for instance, offers different medicines if we want to look at look at uh, medicinal plants. I'm wondering, Adrian, you have 10 hives at the moment. How many bees do you have within those hives? Yeah, well, each hive, if it's, you know, a strong colony of, of bees, a strong colony would have, you know, up to about 50,000 bees in it. So we're looking at half a million bees. <laughs> Whoa, that's a lot of bees. That's a lot that's of honey, huh? A lot huh? of bees to look after. No, um, yeah, well... Some of them, are, you know, they'll vary in size depending on what stage of development that hive is. But at the moment, most of my hives are, are mature colonies, I would say. And so there's probably somewhere between 30 and, and 50,000 bees per hive there. So, yeah, we've probably got, you know, close to half a million bees 
in and in and around those colonies. Definitely, I've got a lot of um, wild colonies uh, in trees, in, in hollow logs, and trees around the around the farm as well that I've found over the last few years. It's quite interesting. Oh, okay. Um, Tell me more about those. I'm interested to know because uh, I'm a blackfella as well, so I grew up with mum showing me how to eat the the bush honey, which um, I just loved as a little girl. Can I just walk up to one of those trees you're talking about and get some bush honey? No. <laughs> okay, <I would> do, <laughs> not that simple. Uh, I'll tell you why, because the, the bees I keep are European honeybees, okay. not um, native Australian bees, uh, which are stingless bees. Most of them, are, well, the ones we keep are stingless bees. They're tiny little things, and that's what we get the sugar bag from. Uh, ideally, I'd love to keep them, but our weather gets a bit cold here. We get really frosty nights in winter, and they, they wouldn't do well here, the, the native bees. There are species that would do okay, but they're more solitary bees. But those species that um, that are, um, you know, um, colony bees, for instance, the honey, the ones that produce honey, uh, wouldn't do very well here. So those bush bees we see around here are introduced bush bees, and um, they can be very feisty. They can be very protective of their of their home. And I would stay right away from them if I were you. <laughs> I will take your advice there, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only way to get their honey would be to damage the tree anyway. So we don't want to do that. We just want to leave them, leave them be and let them do their thing and pollinate plants and, uh, and, and, yeah, and flowers around the area. And, you know, they're, they're the messengers, messengers of love, really, bees. You know, plants can't get up and go and hug a plant across the paddock. They use a bee to send their message across. Do we know if bees are very intelligent? I know you've spoken about them being very intuitive, but what about their intelligence, uh, Adrian? Oh, yeah, bees are, bees are extremely intelligent. Um, apparently, I've read recently that um, they're using them, government, some government agencies have been using bees uh, to detect bombs. So, um, like, a, like a dog, you know, they, they can smell the residue of, of whatever the bomb's made out of, and they, they use them to detect them at, at, at certain ports, which is quite amazing when you think about it. This, this little creature can be trained to go and find a bomb and, and bring back the information. <laughs> so that's pretty intelligent, if you're asking me. But as an organism, they, they have a memory like an ox, so they say. So, for mm. instance, if, if I was nasty to a, a colony of one of my bees over a number of you know, occasions, those bees will remember me forever and ever and ever. And um, until I get rid of the queen, which I never do, until the queen's changed, then that organism remembers. Uh, even though individual bees die after about six weeks, the memory remains in the organism, which is quite amazing when you think about that. That's incredible. They will defend themselves from me every time I go to that hive or even approach it. Adrian, is there any difference between the role of the queen bee in, say, a conventional uh, beehive compared to that of a natural beehive? Yeah, well, the queen bee uh, is the queen bee in, in both hives, and, and her role is the same. But, again, it goes back to our management, our interference, human interference there. And in conventional beekeeping... Beekeepers will requeen their hive, so what that means is they'll kill the hive, they'll kill the queen every one or two years, unfortunately, oh. and they'll replace her with a queen from 
somewhere they've bought one from uh, Queensland or, 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 or some you know, Kangaroo Island, and which is sent in the post, by the way. Um, mm. Three days later, you know, a new queen arrives, yay, and, uh, and they, they give that to the colony. And if we consider a colony as an organism, and we take out the heart of that organism, and then we replace it with something we think is better, what are we actually doing to that organism every year or two? I think there's a huge, huge detriment to the way bees are kept today and the way they're failing all over the world. I think it really points towards a whole requeening program regime that's out there. And most clubs that you attend, beekeeping clubs, every year put a, you know, a message out to their members saying, we're buying queens in bulk. How many do you want? We need to requeen. Now, that question kept coming up and up again with me when I was starting out early in beekeeping. And I kept asking, why am I requeening my hives? I don't pay my mortgage with honey, so why do I need a high productive queen all the time? Mm. Because there's so much emphasis put into honey production, even at a domestic level. They move away, they forget about the the, the, the natural wonder of, of an organism and, and the protection of that organism and move into this mechanical world of we need to requeen, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do the other. It's a, such a mechanical way of beekeeping, this um, conventional commercial style. Um, so the function of the queen is the same, although the management technique from the human perspective is completely different. We leave our queens in there in natural beekeeping and we let them be queens and we also encourage swarming. So we let them swarm uh, as much as possible and, um, and then that's the natural way of, of a bee multiplying is by swarming. That's their natural way to, swar to, to multiply. So it's, it's very important that we, we try to steer back towards a more sustainable approach when we come to keeping bees at home. That was Adrian Iodice from Beekeeping Naturally, and we've been yarning about the positive practice of beekeeping in a natural environment. You've been listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Lee Harding. And if you're interested in beekeeping naturally or want to find out more about some of the workshops that take place, you can go to the website www.beekeepingnaturally.com.au. To hear this program and others from our Earth Matters team, the various podcasts can be downloaded from our 3CR community radio website at 3crearthmatters.org.au. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, and is broadcast nationally across the country thanks to the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page, Earth Matters 3CR Radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for your company this week. And the Earth Matters team will be back again next week with more deadly green social justice news from all over this awesome planet. I'm Kerry Lee Harding, and I'll see you next time.